Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, there are fewer films. Well, hi, everyone, and how's it going? Uh, if you're tuning in now, you know this is Inside the Sequel. And of course, I am your host always. My name is Chris Hurtado. Uh, and this is Inside the Sequel. You know, we, we talk about sequel movies that kind of get forgotten. Maybe you haven't seen before. And, and we defend the hell out of them for why you need to watch them. Um, if you're here for the first time, welcome. And I hope you enjoy uh, this episode. Uh, if you're returning again, you probably came back listening to our last episode. Uh, where we talk about Scream 2 with uh, Noah Klein. That was a great episode. But today, we're in the meat of the month, and we have my most anticipated episode, if I'm being honest. Uh, we are talking about the 1985 uh, sequel to the 1939, I believe I have the year right, for The Wizard of you Oz. We have, we have The Return to Oz from 1985. <laughs> This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents a motion picture fantasy adventure beyond your fondest imagination. You'll be transported miraculously back to the enchanted land of Oz, that magical kingdom beloved by young and old for generations. It's just a yellow brick. No, Belina, you don't understand. This was the yellow brick road. You'll share with Dorothy Gale the shock of finding everything mysteriously changed. What's happened to everybody? And you'll delight with her discovery of four wonderful new friends who band together against a wicked queen and the dreaded Gnome King. This is the Oz you haven't seen before. And this is the Oz you'll want to visit again and again. From Walt Disney Pictures comes a whole new world of entertainment. Why don't we just fly back to Kansas? Return to Oz. Um, and for today's episode, uh, we have a special guest, returning guest, one of my favorite guests to have on here. And I think just hashtag film Twitter's favorite um, guest on podcast because she doesn't have her own for Whatever I'd love to see what her podcast would ever be on, but I have the lovely Carmelita Valdez back on here. How are you, Carmelita? Hi, Chris. I am so stoked to be here talking movies with you again. I love Inside the Sequel. You know this. And I am especially excited for the movie we're talking about, Return to Oz. Yeah, I I am I, very excited for this one because um most times I feel like I have an idea of what movies I want to do with you. And um, in this one, you were like, Chris, like, uh, I kind of want to do this one. And I was like, I've been wanting to watch this one for a long time. It just feels right. You're also one of like four other people on Twitter who actually like this podcast. I'll, I'll name them off. I think Doug <laughs> McCambridge loves this podcast, but I think it's like he likes to get drunk and listen to it. So I don't know if he actually does. 
And then the third person is going to be uh, Mitch Oliver. Cause like, I feel like he gets off on hearing me hate myself. I think he actually likes hearing that. I don't know. It's a weird kink for him. <laughs> I think the fourth person who genuinely loves this podcast uh, besides Lindsay, cause she loves everything. Um, but I think it's Daniel Appler from cobwebs because we went to college together. So I think in his mind, he's thinking, look how down in the dumps my old college buddy has gotten. This is certified gold comedy. And I'm I think- I'm not buying any of this. I'm not buying any of this. Inside the Sequel is a great podcast. You are a great podcast host. <laughs> this I is think- like your, I, I'm like, I'm stepping in here as your tia, Uh-oh, as your here auntie. We here we go. To tell you- <laughs> believe in yourself this is a great <laughs> podcast and i bet there's a ton of faithful listeners and maybe they're just shy i really that's why they don't they don't hit you up on twitter but they're there <laughs> i really hope they're like the the film students who are afraid to you know to talk in class you know you hear the right you, you always hear on film twitter and i was on that that terror table episode where they they just bombarded me with a two forward film twitter conversation the whole time i was i was verbally abused the whole time i was shaking <laughs> um and i i have a feeling my listeners are those kids who are afraid to speak up and say yeah i watched santan Tiago. you know i watched that six hour film i watched come and see you know maybe i haven't seen um the wolf of wall street or like whatever film bro a24 film is i i love how i'm keep pushing this narrative like i hate Whoa. it i was gonna say i love pushing this narrative that i just hate these things and <laughs> i like to think this is a this is a, a this is a you know if like i was a bridge to like better podcast i'm happy with that like if you if you like hibachi justice michael scott and the un unscott or excuse me adkins undisputed almost giving matt bledsoe too much credit there <laughs> um if you want to get into high art podcasting like that you want to like go on cobwebs this is your gateway podcast to like i'm like the jeremy johns and flick pick of youtube for podcasting like chris stockman is the echelon there but you got to get through me first to like understand what that those that group of people are doing you know and i'm, I'm comfortable doing that but i can't i gotta humble some of my listeners and be like hey this is as low as it gets. Like, be happier here, you know? <laughs> you fill a vital role for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how I pull great guests like you and Lindsay. And well, I know we're all friends. We're on this inner circle, like this. Um, we're like in a secret society of podcasting, but I, I'm very always, <laughs> I'm very much always contemplating how did they decide to bring me on here um, and tolerate it? As a matter of fact, I think Matt Bledsoe, <laughs> he only is on there and tolerates me because I make him laugh. And, um, you know, I'm glad to do that for hey, him. Hey, that's a good reason. <laughs> I think that's reason enough. Yeah. Shout out Matt Bledsoe though, real quick. Uh, you know, boy's really cute. You know, he's kind of busy for me, but you know what? I'm still waiting around for him. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like that girl that like, is in love with like the popular kid in school, but like, is too afraid to like, ask him out or like when he's right, around me, right. I flirt around with him. That's how, that's me and Matt Bledsoe right there. When he's talking, I'm like, Oh my God, there he is. And it's like, notice me, say hi. You know, I'm sure you're loving this like bromance conversation right now. Dear diary. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about dear diaries. Uh, you've been busy. I'm sure you've been jotting down how many guest appearances you have a month right now. Right. Oh my goodness. You know, it comes in waves. 
I'm always happy to talk movies with my podcasting friends. So yeah, I was recently on the cult movies podcast. Mm-hmm. Loved that, that episode. Yeah. Um, recently had an episode of Film Feast mm-hmm. with Matt. Uh, recently recorded with Lindsay for Schlock and Awe, but that hasn't released yet. So there, you know, there's always something. If you follow me on Twitter, I always <laughs> post when there's something happening. But you know, I've just been watching a lot of movies, just been hanging mm-hmm. out. It's summer. I hate it. So it's really hot where you're at. I could only imagine. So I'm just like hanging out in my little cave, my little dark glare. You're like the gnome king. You're the you're like inside. I'm kind of like the gnome king a little bit. Yeah. I like my I like my creature comforts indoors where I am in control of my environment and I'm not in direct sunlight. Oh, kind of emo right there. I kind of like that. Kind of. When I was in high school, my mom used to call me a vampire. I do everything in the dark to this day. <laughs> I feel like I it started live in mood lighting. I feel like it was like it started with being called a vampire and then it became you were emo. And then after the emo now and then it became goth and then it became now you're hipster. I feel like there's a natural progression of this whole <laughs> subspecies I you mean know? <laughs> you know everyone's trying to put everybody in a box I'm mm-hmm. oh I very much do too I'm in my own box I only I, I only <laughs> watch sequel movies and like that's it and Daniel only watches 1930s and 40s films um Michael Scott only watches Scott Atkins movies exclusively like I got these people all in boxes no one can change for me that's what <laughs> you are I said it here first. <laughs> See, this is why it's so fun being being a guest. Oh, rather yeah. than running your own podcast because I I get I get to sample. And you look explore. better. You look better than than like hosts like me who are always tired and stressed out. You get to like oh, I, I just get to hop any editing. Yeah, I just get to hop on and talk about a movie I like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I do the fun part. <laughs> you don't have to be the guy who's always like hi, you're listening to Inside the Sequel and just like always saying it all the time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are good at keeping it interesting. Uh, we, well, man, I don't know about everyone else, but we sure do try here. <laughs> we, we try to get at least over five listeners each episode. So. There you go. Yeah, keep well, the bar know, low. I mean, this one, the movie we're talking about on this episode, like this might bring some people out People who are just like, I, I, I want someone to explain to me why this movie was made. This is uh, quite a turnaround episode for you, honestly, because <laughs> last time you were on, you were on <laughs> Alien 3 and we were yeah. like, I think that got a good conversation going online. I, I'm not going to cap that. I think on God, like that was, there was a lot of conversations leading up to Alien 3. And then when, after that episode came up, a lot of people were like low key alien three is kind of great. And I'm like, where were you before the episode dropped? Okay. Maybe <laughs> hey, trendsetting whenever, here. Whenever they arrive, whenever they arrive, they are welcome. Always welcome to have more people give alien three love. Yeah. For some reason, people think it's cool to think alien three is not that good. I don't know what it is. I can't figure it out. Matt. Know. You know, and I, I think we made a solid case the last time I was on. I totally watched Alien 3 after we recorded that. I'm not going to lie. I don't think I told awesome. you that. 
That's what I love to hear. It's a low-key rewatchable alien movie, but you really outdid yourself though. You were on, you've been on things like the Dana Buckler show. You've been on Schlock and all you've been on cobwebs and now you are back in the lowest circle of hell of inside the sequel here where we're talking about (laughs) the return to Oz. And this was a movie I had been wanting to watch for a long ass time. This was your first time. This was my first time. I was a little shy, a little nervous, but you know, I figured it was the right thing to do and and talk about on this podcast. It was uh, time. It was about time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and let me just say this movie. Oh God. I thought I had an idea what this movie would be like in like watching the movie. I, I, you know, I didn't know (laughs) shit after watching it. The credits rolled. I'm like, wow. Like, wow. (laughs) Like what (laughs) What the happened? (laughs) You know, what's crazy. I was with Daniel because Believe it or not, internet and people are listening. Daniel and I are like best buddies. We're we're pretty damn close, and uh, we were talking about because um, we're film losers. We um, we were talking about the Wizard of Oz and like the whole backstory behind production on that film. Victor Fleming obviously directed that film, and Judy Garland, and it's such a sad story, and it's like one of those urban legend production stories, you know, mm-hmm. and. And I kept thinking, how fitting is this sequel for that kind of reputation of a movie, you know? Um, but people, I mean, I think everyone, I, I mean, I don't know how you have never seen Wizard of Oz, but if you haven't seen Wizard of Oz, obviously that's like, it's a monumental film. That's a musical, you know, Judy Garland, the Munchkins, the Wicked Witch, the, the West, it's, it's just iconic, right? It is. I And I was curious prepping to, to talk to you today about return to Oz, I started thinking like, I just assume that everyone has seen wizard of Oz. And then it occurred to me, like, I don't actually know if kids today still watch it. So I did a totally unscientific poll oh. and <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I was texting with my sister and with my best friend, who's like a sister because they're, they're both mothers of, of kids that range in ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the youngest didn't last five minutes. She was bored. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. But some, but some of the other kids liked it. One said it was okay. And the other said it was good, but it sounded like it hadn't had as much impact on them as it did on us growing up because we I mean we would watch Wizard of Oz like once a year at least yeah yeah you know Uh, yeah you know I'm not the most well-versed person to talk about musicals but that was my first musical I ever watched and um that movie was like my first musical and I feel like that was all a lot of people's first musical and it kind of introduced me to like a movie can have talking scenes and dance and musical numbers. And uh, I feel like, like I said, I'm not the most educated person to talk about musicals, but that genre has changed so much in like the last 10 years, even like you think about La La Land when it came out, you know, you think of um, the zombie musical that came out recently. I forget. Um, And even like into the Heights, you know, like musicals like that, they progress the story. It's kind of, even though musicals 
people don't break into sing and dance, but like, it feels like that's what would happen in that moment in like a real world setting. And like yeah. these wizard of Oz sequels and early sequels like that, they're kind of like their own set pieces set. Like everyone, even the characters know this is uh this is a musical number, you know? And I wonder if kids today when watching musicals just can't relate to that kind of separation between reality mm. and time Could is, be. You know, because I find myself sometimes thinking this is a really cool musical number that totally also fits the progression of like these actual humans interactions, you know, watching right. Sebastian and Mia dance on Sunset Boulevard feels like how they would actually be in a real date after the party, you know, versus yeah. a singing and dance about following the yellow brick road, you know, <laughs> and the style of song, too, is different. Yes. And I, I don't it's kind of crazy because like this Return to Oz is a crazy departure to like the Wizard of Oz story. But the Wizard of Oz story itself is also a very crazy story for kids. Oh, yeah. Have you yeah. ever read the Wizard of Oz? I have not, believe it or not. Well, actually, I, I don't have, think people think I'm a I reader. I have read the Wizard of Oz, but there's like a whole series of books. And so mm-hmm. that first book is the only one I've read. But mm-hmm. There's a bunch of Oz books and Return to Oz is loosely based on two of the sequel books. Um, and the intention for Return to Oz was more for it to be more faithful to the books than a direct beat for beat sequel to the Wizard of Oz movie. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that because the director, Walter Murch, mm-hmm. who's his only directorial film, like he only directed this movie, but he was an editor and I believe... Sound, he worked in sound department. Sound, yeah, which is weird that he would do things like that and then go straight to directing after. And he was an Oscar nominee and winner for movies like Apocalypse Now, um, Godfather Part Two. Um, there was another, I think it was a Spielberg. He worked film. on the conversation. That's Coppola, yes, correct. And he yeah, was, I think he was THX buddy buddies with them. 1138, too. Okay, so that's the actual title of the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the movie, but it sounds awesome Lucas. as hell. Man, George Lucas is a weird guy for me. <laughs> I, like, I, I like, I mean, I mean, yeah, he is. American Graffiti to whatever the hell this movie is to Star Wars to Indiana Jones, yeah. but it's not. I always think Indiana Jones is Lucas, but I also think it's really Spielberg's movie as well. Yes. You know, yeah, it, they collaborated. It, yeah, it's just it's his from the. I guess you, I think people call them like the the first like boys club of movies or some. I, they have like a nickname I know where it's yeah. Called, all those guys came up together. You don't really see that anymore. Yeah. And they were all kind of, they all kind of helped each other out. You know, they'd come up with production companies and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And I, you, you read things about, I I feel like if one of them was directing a movie, at least two of them were on set for that movie. It's weird. Right. You don't hear about that ever, but at that time. What's funny about Return to Oz is that (laughs) merch got fired. Yeah, I read about early that. on. And then he got some of his director buddies to go to bat for him to get him reinstated. That's insane. So it paid off having those those friendships paid off. That goes to show like 
no matter what your job is at a film, if you do it good, like those people will stand up for you. You know, he must have done a hell of a job editing those movies for um, Coppola and Lucas and Spielberg to have them back on the set to back them up for a job. Also, pre-production for this movie from reading about it sounded like freaking hell. <laughs> like a nightmare. Yeah, like like he gets fired how early into production like a like a couple months in i forget yeah it was pretty early like i guess disney wasn't happy with the dailies they were getting yeah what are dailies i'm assuming like just reports the reel of 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 the film that they've shot for the day the scenes that have been shot mm. yeah this is the story of how this movie got made is so funny it's like i mean it's already this daunting thing right how do you make a sequel even if your intention is to make it more like the books than the 1939 movie i mean that's pretty daunting 46 i'm 46 years later you go to make a sequel yeah (laughs) and for this iconic film with these performers you know someone like judy garland like how do you top judy garland like Mm -hmm. This is like really daunting. This was a hell of a project to even attempt. So I, it's kind of funny that they tried to do it in the first place, but they did and, you know, had all of these issues in production. And then it's my understanding that Disney kind of wrote this one off. Yeah. Like this is, this isn't going to make any money. (laughs) So they didn't try very hard to promote it. Imagine working on that and knowing that the people who are funding you don't even think it's going to make. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That they've just, they're just writing it off as a loss and they just can't be bothered. Yeah. They didn't even have the right, which I think is weird for this sequel. They didn't even have the rights from MGM for this movie. I read they were paying royalties. Here's the thing. They didn't have to pay royalties on everything and they didn't have to get permission either. So, all of the books, like all of those, the subsequent books in the Oz series were like public domain. Oh, wow, man. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and, and I think Disney had bought the rights to certain aspects <laughs> of course, parts of the property, of course, but it was going to expire soon. So they needed to do, they needed to move on it because the rights were going to expire. The one thing they did have to pay MGM for was the use of ruby slippers. Because ruby slippers are not part of the original book. Oh. Ruby slippers were, were a, a plot device that was added for the Wizard of Oz that was not part of the books. And so because that was this original idea that MGM had come up with, they did have to pay, they did have to pay for the use of the ruby slippers. Good. Disney should have to pay for the things they're taking. That's a, that's oh, no, good. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all about I'm all about milking Disney of money. I I'm <laughs> I don't like Disney just getting to own everything. I like them. I hear you. People. Every month, I agonize over whether or not to cancel the Disney <laughs> Plus subscription. Oh, uh, I think it's I'm part of the the club who's like it's cool to like not like disney but like i also like binge watch the mandalorian like patronize and... disney yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i mean I... I you know 
it's kind of like whatever, like they're huge and that's just the way it is. Um, I just like, when I think about pruning some of my monthly subscriptions and I'm like, I don't watch Disney plus that much, (laughs) but I always come up with an excuse not to cancel it this month. It was, Hey, we're going to talk about return to Oz. I'm going to rewatch it. So, Hey, hang on to it for another month. From someone who loved The Wizard of Oz as a kid, I was blown away that Return to Oz was a Disney movie. Like, I yeah. actually did not know that until I was, like, looking up where I can stream this movie. When I saw it was on Disney+, Plus, I was like, there's no way. There's just no fucking way that this is on Disney. No, and, here it is. Man, this movie is so creepy, but it fits, like, <laughs> it's, it came out of the 80s, but, like, it feels yes. like those early Disney movies that have, like, the <laughs> subject matter that feels like it shouldn't be in a Disney movie. And it's it's odd. Like, early Disney live-action movies before it even hit the 2000s, they feel weird, you know. I can't put it. I can't. I can't put into words. But early Disney live action movies, they just they never sat that's, well with me. I mean, that's what I grew up on. So that's that. Like it, it's it's it feels I always, like yeah. it's like coming home. You know. Oh. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Disney's always felt kind of dark at times for me. Like as a kid, even I realized like, oh, this is like the Rat and the Lady and the Tramp. I love Lady of the Tramp, oh, but like yeah. the rat scene, I'm like, this is a fucking rat that's about to like kill this baby and they knock over a carriage and it's like, oh, oh yeah. they Dumbo? just killed it. Yeah. Dumbo as an adult Dumbo watching is traumatizing. Dumbo. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Dumbo in easily 30 years. <sighs> that opening song to Dumbo is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they got away with some stuff. They did. They did. And I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not a parent, so I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's probably better that the stories have been, you know, that they're kind of softer around the edges these days and a little lighter fare. That's probably for the best. (laughs) It's boring and we can complain, but yeah, I can't help but love these kind of dark twisted family movies. I agree. And this is definitely one of them. I watched this movie to start. I So I took a night <laughs> and a day to watch it. I watched this movie at like 11 p.m. to start. It shows you my schedule. And um, there was a part in the movie at night where I was like, wait, what the hell am I watching? This is insane. This is kind of creepy. It's like, wait, what's going on? Um, so this movie... Um, it's funny. Judy Garland was 16 when I think she was like 16 or 17 when she made Wizard of Oz. She was. And she looked older for her for her age, which I yes. think people at that time looked a lot older than they really were. Um, and, and in this movie, Dorothy is um, a new I forget the actress's name. Fair use a bulk. You see, this is why we have Carmelita on this show, because she she <laughs> she brings the actual knowledge of movies into this. She looks like she's nine or 10 in this movie. She is 10 years old. Okay. There you go. She looks so young and she's, this is a movie that takes place after the original, which shout out to um, Walter Murch for that casting choice. Um, <laughs> and it takes, well, you know, the Dorothy character in the books is, is a little girl. Mm-hmm. So the casting of Judy Garland in the wizard of Oz, like she was a little old. 
if you were trying to be faithful to the source material. Mm. But I mean, it's Judy Garland. They needed those pipes. <laughs> right, right. And her ability to act. So, you know, poor Judy, they were like taping her chest to try to make her look more flat chested, less developed. You know, they were styling her to try to make her look younger. But yeah, she, I mean, she was a 16 year old girl. Just the um, stories of Judy and that movie. It just makes me so sad. It's just. Oh yeah. I mean, it was grueling. Yeah. So, so it's, it is, but it is funny. Like for folks who grew up with the wizard of Oz and that's your idea of Dorothy Gale to <laughs> then have Dorothy Gale be 10 years old, like obviously a little girl. Mm-hmm. It's it could be a little jarring for people. I think that's what makes this movie work a little bit more to be creepy, though. You know, if it was yeah. an older, you know, I I don't I don't know if I would have believed the the, the type of antics that were in this movie. But as a kid, right. I kind of was starting to think of it as like in the lens of a young kid. This movie, so Dorothy comes back, I guess through almost like a shock therapy session in a way because she's having these nightmares from Oz. If I remember correctly, she goes to the doctor, they strap her up from her to like analyze her dreams very much. Like Nancy from nightmare on Elm street (laughs) is what I kept thinking um, to like, you know, figure out what's wrong with her trauma. And then she, she, she teleports herself back to Oz. It's not like a tornado, like the original movie. She kind of just goes into her own imagination in a weird way. She sees like, I think she sees like doubles of herself, right? So, so another little girl at the clinic helps her escape because Mm -hmm. this is new technology. They're going to use electroshock therapy on her, but apparently there's, there's patients who have been damaged, who have been injured, (laughs) locked in the basement. So the little blonde girl who at that point is nameless helps Dorothy to escape the the clinic where they're doing these like not safe experimental treatments. And she goes into the water mm-hmm. of the river. And yeah. That's and then once uh, she's in the water, that's where she, you know, she floats into the land of that's her gateway into back into oz and she finds a chicken that talks there (laughs) which is a new character that's there's a lot of new characters which i think is a smart idea for this movie i I gotta give walter merch that credit this this movie has new characters and when she floats back to oz well first thing i noticed besides the talking chicken is the rock with faces yes and it's so subtle until they do a scene where it's talking to an unseen creature or voice and it's just eavesdropping. It's so creepy right off the bat, this rock with facial expressions. Um, yeah. And the faces like appear and then disappear. Mm-hmm. Like the rock will go smooth again. It's it's really great. Claymation, I believe is what the animation yeah, style it's for. Did, yeah. Um, but as soon as, you know, for anybody who's watched the original Wizard of Oz and then watched Return of Oz, it's weird. But it's like it's like it's a vibe you remember but can't put your finger on. And I I was like that, but I kept 
digging into the deep trenches of my childhood of like where I've seen this before. So Dorothy comes back to Oz and obviously she saved the land of Oz in the first movie. And now it looks completely different. I kept thinking of like the Chronicles of Narnia, like Prince Caspian, sure. the, nev- the never ending story, um, Black Cauldron and like Stardust, you know, these type, yeah. these type of kids movies that also share a similarity of being dark, but like, the story of like these child characters coming into for the first time or like returning to these fantasy worlds from previous stories or movies. And I kind of like that. I like that in um, a lot of these early movies where like, I, I remember, especially like those early Chronicles and Arnie movies before Disney did them um, where they were kind of creepy in their animation style you know <laughs> no totally it's um i think one of the real ob- one of the differences with return to oz that's real obvious out the gate is that you know the wizard of oz it's like everything's on a studio lot mm-hmm. these really and they were gorgeously constructed sets but it's very clear that like these were constructed sets what's interesting about return to oz is that they did do some filming in a studio in england but they also filmed outdoors on location on these like different farms and in these plains in mm-hmm. England. So you have like, like actual trees and like it, it, you know, you're like in these wooded areas and there's like dirt on the ground and it's kind of just the colors of nature. It does look a little grittier and it lends it to that like, kind of a a, just a darker feeling to it because it's a fantasy world but it there's a lot of times in return to oz where this fantasy world looks a lot like our world yeah yeah and it's just creepy for a kid's story to be like the world they left to go back into their own world is like better now but when they come back it's falling off completely up Mm -hmm. it is like a bomb went off in Oz. Okay, were were you was it just me or was I just the only one that was mad that like she sees the yellow brick road like all destroyed and stuff and she follows it and she gets to Emerald City so quickly. We're in the first movie it's like that, you know? She's like in the first movie she's just like taking her time to get to the Emerald it took a City. Long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, yes. The pace of this one like the the journeys are a lot quicker. Yeah, this movie's there's not a, a there's journey. A lot that has to be there's a lot that has to be accomplished in this movie. This isn't a movie that's a journey. This is like a this is a conflicting movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie all about conflict, which blows my mind for a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. What did what did you think about the Emerald City? So it looks a lot different. It looks a lot different than what you thought about it in the first movie. In the second movie, it looks like the fall of Rome. And I was crying. (laughs) I was like, I was like, I was like Caesar sitting on a rock crying because there was no more worlds to be conquered. It's because Rome is fallen. It's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't even look like a future city. Like Emerald City is supposed to be this future advanced city. And it's doesn't look anything like that in this movie. No, it it yeah, it looks like a war zone. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know more effective though it is and it's for a 10 year old girl like a girl that's looks so young to see these people in stone 
And then the circle of like headless women, I was like, oh, wait, yeah. a, I was like, wait a minute. Wait, this is implying way too much. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought the rocks were already kind of questionable in this movie. And I see the headless women and then you see Tin Man. And then I'm like, oh my God, I kept thinking, they ran out of money or the, 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 the costume designer for this, for this movie just wanted to do something completely different because Tin Man in the lion looks so different compared to the original movie. Oh yeah. Scarecrow too. When we, when we finally oh. see him again and yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe they styled the, those characters from the first story that they brought back if they styled them differently because they wanted them to look like the illustrations from the books oh yeah or or what because that i mean that would be a valid reason to make them look different but it's weird they look yeah in 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 the grand scheme they did look weird and kind of creepy um in the grand scheme of the story it does feel like it was like meant to be like cameos and like right. you know the cowardly lion it's easier to represent it as an actual lion than versus the the guy in the costume in the first movie that makes sense right right tell me how you feel about the wheelers i'm always curious how an adult <laughs> first time viewer that's in the wheelers how how you would feel about the wheelers because when we were kids it's so funny shout out to my baby sister <laughs> boo this was one of the movies when she was little that she wanted to watch all the time so we would watch it all the time and so you know i'm older than her but i you know i was still a kid and and i can remember like the wheelers like just being like totally creeped out like they're like so skeevy they are they're sus (laughs) they are sus material (laughs) like when I saw them with their faces, like their masks above their head, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, there's no way. There's no fucking way that they're going to have this in the movie the whole time. They do. And they, the masks are creepy. I was watching this at midnight and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, no way. What is that posture? Like, how are they skating like that? It's just so yeah, cre- The it's posture just- is creepy that nails on the chalkboard sound like the squeaky wheel sounds yeah Yeah. i got i got like sounds weird i got like clockwork orange druid vibes with them and i didn't i didn't like that in my return to Oz. (laughs) (laughs) you know like when they cornered they cor i thought i I thought this movie was really dark when they cornered dorothy and they're laughing and i was like oh my god no way I was like, I was thinking, this is this is Kubrick's Clockwork Orange. This is this is creepy stuff. I don't, I don't want to think what's gonna happen. And then she escapes, and like even then, I'm kind of weirded out. Like the the shout out 2021 for for pushing TikTok, the the app. It must have whoever created TikTok must have loved Return to Oz because the freaking character in this movie's name is TikTok. Friends, when when the TikTok app. When I started hearing about that, the first thing I thought of was Return to Oz. TikTok, the Royal Army of Oz. Like that's mm-hmm. like, so anytime someone says TikTok, like that's always, I, I see his little face. <laughs> I see, I see his little robotic mustache and his little, <laughs> he's, his little, his little helmet. He really is like the backbone of this movie though. 
I love him. I love how much he loves not being alive. <laughs> He's so emo. He's really emo. And he loves to he loves to tell anyone who are here about it mm-hmm. that he's really proud of the fact that he is not alive. He's the part of the movie. <laughs> he's the part of the movie where I'm like, this is not like anything like the original movie. Cause like he's like ready to like beat up the wheel the, the wheelers. He's he's all about explaining the movies like like exposition and plot and the yeah. everything that's gone wrong. And he's also the muscle of the movie. You didn't get any of that in the original. And um, he leads, I forget how he leads Dorothy into um, the witch's castle, which she's not a, she is a witch, but technically no, I'm always confused. Right, right, right. So she's princess Mombi, but she, but she does, she does some, she does some magics. Witch, sorceress, <laughs> whatever but i think her her proper title is princess Mm. but she's just an evil bitch let's just put it out there she's evil (laughs) i can't believe they put in a kids movie a hall of headless women for this headless body it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie (laughs) now that you've seen it your life is changed i i just can't believe someone in the 80s was like kids need to know you know, like decapitation is a thing, you know, room looks because there's mirrors and glass and it's just all mirrors and gold everywhere. And then you go into the headroom, and it's a beautiful room in this beautiful cabinetry with, again, it's all gilded and golden and there's mirrors and there's glass and it's beautiful. And there's all of these attractive <laughs> heads and and when you discover that she just switches her head out and puts on a different one, depending on her mood, like that's pretty gnarly. It's also pretty gnarly that it is her intention to lock Dorothy in a tower so that she can grow. And when she is mature enough, Mombi wants to take her head. I did think that was really creepy. That dialogue right it's there. It's so creepy. I love it. <laughs> and she actually does lock. I didn't think like, oh, Dorothy's going to escape. She actually does lock her up there. She does. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, w- no, wait a second. Did you, when you finally saw Mombi's original head, did you recognize her as the nurse from the clinic? Yes. Of that course. That is one I did. thing that this film does that is like the original Wizard of Oz that you have people from Kansas Mm -hmm. who she then sees as a different character in Mm -hmm. Oz. And they they do that here too. And Mombi is one of the first ones. Which is funny. The only negative character in the original Wizard of Oz was the Wicked Witch of the West for her, her neighbor. Right. Who wants to take Toto. And everyone else is good that she recognizes from the world. In this movie, all the bad people are all people (laughs) she recognizes and there's yeah. no good people from her real right. life. It's the opposite. It's dark. It's the opposite. Yeah, it is dark. Mombi, the whole Mombi thing is dark. Uh, yeah. And once you've seen it, it sticks with you. Like, it's very memorable. Yeah, I just couldn't believe they were like, totally. <laughs> ahead. Like, And then the scene where it shows her headless, reaching for yeah. a head. I'm like, oh my God, as a kid watching, like this was at late at night and I'm watching this movie and I'm like, no way I'm actually watching this. This isn't, no, no fucking way they thought this was a good idea. No, this is real. That's the real movie. (laughs) But even creepier than that was 
<laughs> Jack Pumpkinhead, who's the new scarecrow in my mind. But what's creepier, right. Jack Pumpkinhead or the fact that he wants to call Dorothy his mom? What is this? A man or a melon? A pumpkin, if you please. My name's Jack. Jack Pumpkinhead. May I call you mom, even if it isn't so? Be careful, Jack. Like that opens up a whole nother conversation of like, like kinks, you know, like, like, I can't wait till I meet a girl. I'm like, Hey, can I call you mom? Like, please. It's a little weird. Like, it's a little weird. But Jack is so innocent. Jack Pumpkinhead uh, is so innocent. You see, of course, of course. He is. He's very innocent. I mean, he's only been alive. <laughs> I mean, not very long. So, you know, he doesn't know any better. Yeah. I will give him that. But like, also I kept thinking, I was like, yeah, how many girls have I asked? Can I, can I call you mom, please? Like, take care of me. I don't know what to do. He has a sad, like helpless voice, you know? He so, does. I think also, I think it's, I read that for Tim Burton, this was the movie that influenced his uh, Jack Skellington character. And Correct. I, I could not shake that image with the pumpkin right they they look so similar like from even from like yeah. the teeth drawing on the on the pumpkin carving um no I, totally i i love the i love jack pumpkin head he 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 is a, a nice part of this movie even though he looks terrifying as hell he's such a good scene oh yeah no he's totally kind of creepy looking mm -hmm. but it's such a sweet character and he provides some comic relief i also <laughs> the gump the headless moose <laughs> So it's it's a gump, which which is some kind of animal in the land of Oz, which looks a lot like a moose. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those trophy heads and they strap it to some sofas. And create this like flying creature and they bring it to life. And like, <laughs> I love I love the gumps. Eeyore vibes. Yes. Like right from the gate, he's like, I don't think I'm going to hold it together for very long. Like <laughs> they bring him to life and he's immediately like, like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I've got much time in this world. <laughs> him and TikTok, they're like the vibes I off with it. us being alive right now. <laughs> I love, I love, I just love their energy. This just very like. That was the part of the movie where I got like Alice in Wonderland vibes, you know, like the right. queen of hearts off with your heads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think even through like the looking glass story, if I remember my literature classes in high school, you know, like the, the, the queen wanting to like make everyone headless, you know, but they live, um, this movie kind of feels like that in a weird way. And yeah. it also it's, feels it's like the never ending the story. It also feels like the never any story, like Dorothy's writing on this magical beast. This of like, it feels like a reanimator beast, of course, because it's made up of different <laughs> freaking creatures. And then she winds up in outer space looking down at the wheelers trying to chase her down. Um, yeah, this, this is this movie would be perfect for an edible, is what I kept thinking. I was like, this is, sure, this is yeah. yeah. I was like, this is a movie that's gonna be great for this because, like, I, I mean, you get from a castle with headless people. Now you're in outer space. 
in the sky with a headless moose type character and a pumpkin talking. Right. And people turning into sand down below. Mm-hmm. And it's weird when pumpkin uh jack Pumpkinhead, where he's like oh it's okay mom you can go to sleep i'm like huh i was like i did not hear that in this movie i did not hear that Um, (laughs) no you you really did and then they land (laughs) then they land on like a mountaintop correct and then you find out who the rock face was which i thought was the coolest but creepiest parts of the movie was the 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 the, you didn't know who the rock character was because it was it was always looking really right. sinister, but also really shocked at the same time. It was really great claymation. I got to give this movie credit for that. And you okay. find out, and you find out that it's actually a king and his um, subjects, the gnome king. He can like, he's part of this mountaintop, and he's been the one who's orchestrated all this evil doing, basically, because he has the ruby sli- slippers that we find out that. I, I think it's weird that he found the ruby sli- slippers basically that just fell into the lap, his lap. I think that's kind of right. weird. He also looks incredibly creepy. He's like smoking oh, a joint. He's totally creepy. He's got a beard. Well, and this is really fun. So, <laughs> so the actor that plays Dr. Worley, the doctor in the mm-hmm. evil electroshock clinic, mm-hmm. and who plays the Gnome King is Nickel Williams. And Williamson, I'm sorry, Nickel Williamson. Nickel Williamson played Merlin in Excalibur. Oh, I haven't seen that. You must. <laughs> because Nickel Williamson is such he's such a great actor. He gives these these really memorable performances. And his performance as Merlin in Excalibur steals the whole movie. Like, who cares about Arthur? Forget <laughs> Arthur. I want to know. I just want to follow Merlin around in that movie because Nicole Williamson, his his portrayal of Merlin is just so memorable. And here too, as the Gnome King, it's like, you know, he isn't, you know, he's got, they do like the claymation and then also like they, you know, and, and it kind of looks like him, but it, you know, it's mainly just his voice, but the inflection of his voice and- and just his line delivery is so perfect where he's he's saying all of these things to Dorothy and her companions that sounds innocent or innocuous or like non-threatening but everything is a threat and and he's he's playing nice but he has every intention of killing them all yeah that's a good way to put it because at one point i thought he was going to be friends with them i thought it was just like a surprise the creepy person's a good person nope but he's totally (laughs) the whole he's like the thanos of this story he's like he's been behind the scenes he's been he's been moving in in silence you know trying to like orchestrate this whole like i don't know like what's his reasoning for destroying the emerald city and controlling oz but like so what he tells Dorothy is that he was just reclaiming the emeralds that the that the citizens of Oz had stolen from him because the gems come from the ground and the stone. And he, as the gnome king, made of stone. Of course. That that's what he says. But really, I mean, I think he just wants to be in power. 
I mean, he really rocks the ruby slippers pretty nice. He though. really does. Like he flaunts those. He's like stepping out, ladies, look out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I think one of the greatest things is that he proposes this game. <laughs> Yeah. As a way for them to get the scarecrow back, because that's what Dorothy wants. The scarecrow was going to be the ruler of Oz when the wizard left at the end of the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So, so she's just like, I just want to get my friend back. And, and the Gnome King has this, has this game that sounds like, like fun at first, like a guessing game. But he doesn't reveal at first the real stakes of the game. So I think it's really cool. Like <laughs> the first time you watch this and then you realize what the game is really about and like what the how high the stakes are. Like it's pretty stressful. Yeah. That th- first time. This is the part of the movie I kept thinking. It reminds me of the gate. Like the second half of the gate, you know, like the third act, <laughs> like where those little goblins are running around because the wheelers come and and Moby comes back and, and like you get this insanely huge creature because right. the Gnome King becomes like he he thinks he's got this game under control. And it's heartbreaking that Dorothy's losing her friends. Eventually, each guest, she loses a friend. Um, and TikTok is like the first to go. And um I think Jack Pumpkinhead is the second. Uh, Jack goes first. Oh, okay. TikTok, because TikTok is the brains of the operation. <laughs> TikTok pre- pretends to wind down so that they'll send Dorothy in there to wind him back up. Oh. Because he wants to give Dorothy a chance to see what happens when you guess incorrectly. And like mm. what you get turned into an ornament it's weird it's an just... ornament right did you see the augustus statue there that's when i was like wait what the hell like there's a roman <laughs> statue amongst all this i knew this yeah, movie. it's like a room full of it's a room full of knickknacks yep and like antiques and things you can't lie it's pretty cool you you were terrified when she finds the emerald and it's it's uh the scarecrow and he looked completely <laughs> different than any of us could have ever imagined what the scarecrow would ever look like in this movie. He looks like a walking nightmare. He's he's scary but derpy at the same time. Yes. It is No, that's exactly what the scarecrow looks like in this movie. Scary but derpy. Yeah. 100%. Like like I don't know. Like I think I've seen that kind of face at night downtown in an alleyway and I try to forget it. I'm not quite sure. It's freaking terrifying. <laughs> Okay, what's scarier, Princess Mombi or the Scarecrows? The Scarecrow. I can't believe they thought that that was uh, <laughs> that was an acceptable design for like a core character from the first movie. I right. feel like and for a children's movie, because it's like a it's like an animatronic type of. I'm trying to. I would kept thinking of like the prosthetics of that character design. Um, I don't know because don't know, but it's frightening because like in the first movie, it's obviously a guy in makeup. Wearing a costume and it looks good, you know, like for its time, it looks great. Even then, it looks good. But in this movie, I mean, it looks like something off like 
I don't know, like Lazy Town or, or some fucking <laughs> kids 2000s cartoon show that I, I luckily didn't have to watch as a kid. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's really bizarre because the mask, it's like, like the face doesn't move. No. <laughs> it's weird. And he's like trying to be close to Dorothy. And I'm like, get the fuck away. Like, you're so scary. <laughs> like, even Jack Pumpkinhead looks more harmless than you. Right. I know. I know. Um. Okay, but we we, we got to talk about how the Gnome King is ousted. The poison. It's so good. The 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 MVP of the movie, Loki, has always been this chicken for me because it's Belina. Belina is always talking, always sarcastic. These puns, yada yada. Her times to shine in this movie with the Gnome King, and I could not believe. I could not believe Disney, Walt Disney. I don't know who's president at this time. Probably fired because it wasn't Michael Eisner at the time. Um, was like the Gnome King. Fuck him. He hates protein. He can't have an egg. Kids, eggs are not a central part of a, a nutritious breakfast because they're poisonous as fuck. This movie has the Gnome King die because she hatches an egg and drops it in his mouth before he eats the pumpkin, Jack pumpkin head. Oh my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Well, the cool thing is I love that the chicken thing pays off because from the moment Dorothy lands in Oz with Bolina, mm -hmm. the, the little, the little stone henchmen say, to who we don't know at that time is the gnome king mm -hmm. they have she has a chicken with her and all throughout the movie people keep mentioning the chicken but they don't mention why they give two shits about a chicken mm -hmm. but they do consistently every one of these um the gnome king's um henchmen, henchmen mm -hmm. or you know people that work for him everyone mentions the chicken and they all seem like worried about it or scared. And you don't know why, like, what's the big deal about a chicken? Mm -hmm. And then it all pays off. <laughs> it all pays off. Yeah. All is lost. This, this dude just ate the gump sofa. So now <laughs> he's just like a trophy head, a living trophy head. He's going to eat Jack pumpkin head. And you know that after that, of course, like it's over. Dorothy's the next to go. Mm -hmm. And then Belina comes through, lays that egg. Yeah. Saves her friends. <laughs> this was the part of the movie where I was like, this vodka tonic's not doing enough. Let me just add a little bit more. You know, I was like, I, let me see how they wrap this baby up. Um, and when, you know, the movie's almost two hours long. We got to talk about that. It's almost two hours long. And I'm like, a kid watching an Oz movie is not going to want to watch a two-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, some might, some might not. It's fine. But you know what? The ending, it wraps up pretty good. She wishes for it everyone... Does. To come back and um, and she wears the ruby slippers, of course. And uh, you see Emerald City; it looks a lot different. You see some Munchkins. You get the cameo with the the Tin Man and the and the Lion. But then you realize, 
um, that the blonde girl was actually the the blonde little girl <laughs> was Jack Pumpkinhead's mom, who he kept referencing yes. the whole movie, who was actually like the actual queen of Oz, I believe. Yes, Ozma. Which, man, shout out the writers for this one. Like they really bring <laughs> everything back. Like they 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 turn it all around. Like there's no t- stone left unturned. This whole movie. This is true. I gotta give now, credit of course, for that. like the Ozma name doesn't mean much if you haven't read the books. That's what I figured because they kept mentioning Ozma. And I was like, I don't recognize that and name like, at all. Who the hell's that? Mm-hmm. And when you when you kind of see, because earlier in the movie, when when Dorothy is in the clutches of Prin- Princess Mombi, you see like a figure in the glass, mm-hmm. but it's blurry. It's kind of ghost-like, phantom-like. So you can't really see the features, right? To know who it is. I and, thought. And- I thought it was the wicked, not the wicked, but I thought it was the good witch of the East from the Linda. first movie. Glinda. That's who I thought it was at first. So I was pleasantly surprised it was a new character at the end. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's kind of the Ozma thing is cool. I wish there like some of that exposition about who the hell Ozma is <laughs> had had come in earlier. Whose man's is this? <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's fine. And her little costume is super cool. I took it as that's Dorothy. If Dorothy could stay in Oz, but oh, Dorothy obviously can't, you know? Right. That's how I took it. Um, yeah. And I was, despite this nightmare, this nightmare fuel of a movie, I was happy to see TikTok come back because <laughs> I was afraid he Me was gone too. forever. Um. But yeah, so she comes back to Kansas and uh, <laughs> were you creeped out when she shows up in a forest by herself and her family <laughs> finds her and then she sees a buggy with a jail cell behind it and, and it's Mombi <laughs> in this random fucking forest, which do, does Kansas, the state have that? I have actually never been in Kansas. Is, is that, do they, you guys well, have trees they, there? I mean, they filmed this in the UK. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing <laughs> there, there are two places in the world that could not look more different. Seriously. Than, than Kansas. They also changed the breed of Toto. I was pretty, I was pretty mad about that. I mean, he's a little terrier. He's not a, he's not a, a carn terrier. He's, he's like a little like <laughs> Brussels Griffin terrier, but he's really cute. He's still there. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Here we go. <laughs> Aunt M. She looks younger in this movie. Yeah. It's Piper Lori. The mom from Carrie. Oh my gosh. I knew she looked. (laughs) And when she comes up and says, it's too nice of a day to be indoors. I was like, that's the nicest thing that actors ever said in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like that's another one of like the little things about this movie that like, you know, little kids, like if they've never seen Carrie. And I'm sure De Palma was like, get this actress in this movie. Yeah. But, but if you've seen Carrie and then you see this, like Aunt M is immediately suspicious Mm -hmm. because, because I remember Carrie White's mom. 
I also remember she's Aunt, a psycho. Yeah. And I remember Aunt Emma, the original Wizard of Oz, being like super unsupportive of Dorothy. She wanted Dorothy to like, you know, stop dreaming and be a house right. hand. And I mean, in this she movie. She's here too. Yeah. She, it, yeah. Yeah. You're kind of right, huh? Because she, she thinks there's something wrong with her for having dreams. Right. She's not sleeping. Mm-hmm. She thinks that Dorothy's like making all this up. So she's going to take her to this clinic. And Dorothy, Dorothy, like Alice, they yeah, have a lot I mean, of trauma to get through. Yeah, we're we're just lucky that she was able to escape before they fried her brain. Seriously, I love it. I yeah, love it. and then and then you see Ozma. Yeah, then you see Ozma in the reverse glass, which I thought was like a reference to Alice through the looking glass. Right. And uh, and then she goes out and plays, and it's like this sweet but kind of like suspicious kids music playing at the end like with the (laughs) credits rolling you see her playing and it's in this really pitiful front yard and you get this kind of like you know outro music but it kind of feels like weird like i don't know like it was creepy and this movie is just creepy (laughs) like you watch this movie you're like i'm never showing my kid this until they're a teenager well they'll actually appreciate a lot of the references so good like it's it has its problems definitely but i think it was ambitious what they tried to do here mm-hmm. some real memorable imagery in this movie yeah technically the movie is fascinating i oh, really yeah. applaud the claymation the costume design um the the production sets were really good um much like the original 39 the productions looked great um, you don't get any musical numbers in this movie at all. You don't, no. Um, the, the girl who plays Dorothy in this movie, I got to credit. She was a good Dorothy. Um, you know who she is, right? Mm-mm. Fairy Yuza Balk? Mm-mm. Oh, my friend. So so this was young Fairy Yuza's first film role. She had done some TV movies. This was her okay. first film role. She's Nancy from The Craft. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's in the Water Boy. She's the girlfriend in the Water Boy, the Adam Sandler movie. This poor woman. This poor That's child. That's her. Fair use of bulk. That's her. I don't remember Water Boy. I remember the craft though. Yeah. I I can see that. Okay. It's her. It's been a minute. When are you gonna buy me that craft screen factory? By the way, <laughs> I'll give you my address. Ship it over here. Sl- slip cover, preferably. Oh, um, <laughs> oh, that's so great. This movie really is like a. It's much like this show. It's like a bridge to like pre- the past into like later things to come that we kind of right? know about or some of us know about and forgot about. I um, feel like this is like the perfect movie for inside the sequel <laughs> because it's such a weird sequel. <laughs> it's so fascinating. And like, this is a movie that people will say, why the hell would you make a sequel to the wizard of Oz? That's like say, almost 50 years later. <laughs> right. Like, why would you do that? But you know what? I'm glad they did. Because this movie is bonkers. It's fun. It's creepy. The it's a po- good time. The poster for this movie is even creepy. And they thought nothing to change it. <laughs> like they have Jack Pumpkinhead on the fucking poster front and center. Yeah. And I'm like. Oh my God, no kid's going to want to see this. It's going to be too much. 
We did. <laughs> we watched it, my friends. We were there. <laughs> it's a real thing that happened. I'm telling you, my little sister, she wanted to watch it like all the time. You know how kids are like they like latch on to something and they want to watch it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. This was that movie for my sister. And so we'd watch it with her. Yeah, this fits like the this fits the mold of like those um like Ichabod Crane, Headless Horseman yeah. animated films and like um some of those like odd creepy like Alice in Wonderland. Like if it, it right. feels you know me, feels, I always like that spooky shit. That's yeah, it feels like early if it's like a even though it's an 80s movie, it feels like early Disney movies mixed in with like the like weird the 80s the, fantasy thing. Because like Labyrinth, Black Crystal, you know, never right. ending story. Right. Um, it feels like a like it's trying to be like that, and then I feel like movies like Chronicles of Narnia, the pre the early movies actually came out, not right. not the not the newer ones that came out the two thousand, right. the early ones. It feels like it was just like that similar too. vibe. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it. I kind of like that. Like I watched Stardust for the first time with Daniel for his birthday party, and um, I didn't care for Stardust that much, but I know as if I watched it for the first time as a kid, I would have loved that movie. Cause it's creepiness and like oddness, you know, as an adult, it's hard for me to get into, but sure, like, that happens. yeah, but like, you know, kind of like this movie, I like it. And it was really creepy. Like I could acknowledge this movie is <laughs> fucking creepy, but as a kid, <laughs> I probably been like, either give it to me or I would have been like, holy shit, keep this away from me. <laughs> you know, like this movie light on for a week like as a kid watching this i'd be like I, I take nightmare two over this movie any day of the week like that's not a creepy compared to this um <laughs> just like the imagery is so good um which is sad that you know the director almost got fired for his direction in this yeah um well, and like like this was a big box office loser yeah the budget was 28 million the box office was 11.1 .1 million how do you pitch this movie especially it's a disney movie and it was before the renaissance you know right right tough sell it is it <laughs> is but i i like to think that people especially now with disney plus mm -hmm. here's what i'm hoping will happen <laughs> you know because anyone you know people who saw it whether they love it like it indifferent don't like it it's memorable look like you know what I mean like it like it's like burned into your psyche once you've seen it but I'm hoping that now that people have access to things like Disney plus and streaming that more people will discover return to Oz I read on this den of dream I read the few times I read I read like movie articles online it's the only reading I ever get um, like Den of Geeks. I don't know what your opinion is on them. I have a weird opinion with Den of Geeks, but they did put a story, uh, an article out like in 2019, mm. 2020 um, about the, the return to Oz. And they were saying there's a growing cult following for this movie. So all I'm the saying is, my ears. all I'm saying is Carmelita, you already did Alien 3 and now you did this movie. <laughs> come, come October. <laughs> I better see film Twitter standing you and your opinions on this movie and Alien 3 for their October watching. Alien 3 would be a great October watch. It would, yeah. And then put I this agree. movie in at like the last week of Halloween with some people getting drunk. Oh, for sure. Maybe like, depending in your state. a horror movie, but it's kind of a horror movie. Yeah, this 
this is like a movie I, I like to put on as like a background. And then somebody looks at the TV and they see Jack's pumpkin head and be like, wait, what the fuck is going on right <laughs> wait, now? What, what, are, what are you watching? You know, <laughs> same thing. Like if I put on alien three at a party and someone turns around, like, right. wait, why is this guy looking at the alien? Like it's God right now. And why is it kill and like bloods on his face? You know, I'm going to tell you right now, my favorite thing to come out of this podcast episode <laughs> is is comparing this movie to a clockwork orange that is my favorite <laughs> that is the greatest thing that ever happened to this movie it's <laughs> i swear you know i i can't be i feel like i can't be you're the not, only one you're not wrong though like <laughs> like the droogs the wheelers there's mm-hmm. there's Even, a very similar you could make an argument the shock therapy is similar to malcolm mcdowell's yes. eye his eye um look yeah that yeah. whole, yeah, the impressionability of that is insane. Kubrick's a god. I, Kubrick's been getting stand on film Twitter lately. It's only fitting we talk about him on here now, I guess, to hop on that hype. Um, so, yeah, that would be an interesting double feature. Lindsay is Return getting... Return to Oz and Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Lindsay is, like, yelling yes right now. Lindsay, like, if you're listening, a Clockwork Orange and Return to Oz. Think about it. Lindsay, get us on your fucking show so we can get drunk and talk about this double feature for God's sakes. <laughs> Droogs and wheelers. Please. <laughs> we'll drink, we'll drink screwdrivers for the for the clockwork orange part, even though they drink milk. So guess yes. white Russians. And then this movie, we'll drink uh cider for Jack Apple pumpkin head. My God, that should be the hottest costume of October 2019 is Jack Pumpkinhead. Um, easy costume, creepy as fuck. <laughs> can Very you imagine? Creepy. Can you can you imagine like putting a pumpkin on your head, like actually on your head? And then, is that possible? It would be heavy. It would mm. be possible, but it would be heavy. Mm. Mm. Unless you got like something like a lightweight foam, it wouldn't look as good. Mm. But at least it, it then wouldn't like be so taxing on your neck and your shoulders i can't i've always wanted to do a mommy costume (laughs) i could see pulling that off her dress her dress is very elaborate i'm just trying to it's there's like a lot of like her mommy's dress has some like very definite stevie nicks vibes yeah i'm still trying to figure out if it's like socially acceptable to call your girl mom or not because of this movie because they seem to normalize it i love it. that that's your hang up for this <laughs> it's like hey mom mom <laughs> it's like i see a girl i'm like can you be my mom for like a day to care of me please <laughs> that's for my simp same, listeners i know same. i got a few Whatever i'm with into, you my friends I have <laughs> no judgment no judgment <laughs> Oh, well, with, with that being known that I have a mommy kink, um, Carmelita, do you have anything else you want to talk about with Return to Oz? Do you have anything for the listeners on this? Um, I, I just love it. I hope that, that folks will revisit this one. I am so happy that you got to experience it for the first time and that we got to talk about it because that's one of my favorite things, talking about a movie that I've seen a gazillion times with someone who's watching it for the first time. That's always fun for me. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's always good to be here on Inside the <laughs> Sequel and I'm so stoked that we got to talk about this movie. Well, we appreciate it. And 
of course, like I said, this was a movie I've been wanting to watch for a while. And now I have the excuse to finally get to watch it. And um, it's fitting. It was with you. <laughs> I, I, of course, <laughs> like this feels like a Carmelita movie. And uh, right? it does. I, I'm excited for when you eventually come back on when um, you've been on uh, another three or four great podcasts and then you'll come back on here doing your civil du- civic duty. I appreciate it. Um, oh, it'll no, be great. You know that I am always happy to come <laughs> on and play the sequel. Uh, but Carmelita, thank you so much for being on. And for our listeners who they should already know where to find you because it's great stuff. If they don't, where can we find you and all your great thoughts and opinions on movies? The great ones and the bad ones too. <laughs> I have my moments. Uh, so I'm on Twitter, also mm-hmm. on Letterboxd, same handle for both at Carmelita says. And I highly recommend her Twitter. It's great. She'll post awesome things. She's always collabing with awesome people. I really recommend um, not to like give like personal bias or anything, but that that cult of movie podcast episode I listened to. And um, that was a great one. I really enjoyed that one with you and Anthony. Um, so if Anthony's listening, there you go. There's your shout out. But that was a great episode. Um, Thanks. Mm-hmm. So I really recommend people listen to that and uh, listen to us when we were talking about Alien 3 last month. Um, and I want to thank everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, um, I highly recommend you tune into next week where we have first time guest Mark Warner, where we talk about Transformers, God help me, Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> or dark of the moon sorry that's a nice that's a pink floyd album um but we have his his ass on here for the first time and you're gonna have fun i'm so scared and i have a vodka red bull ready because i need to up and a downer for it uh, <laughs> but if you enjoy this episode of course you can always follow inside the sequel on twitter at sequel pod you can follow me at hertastic underscore chris um and don't forget to check out our website inside the sequel.com where you can listen to our episodes as well. We're on Facebook. We're not, we're not, we're, no, we're not on Facebook, are we? We're on Spotify and iTunes and uh, most other podcasts as well. Um, if you want to hear um, your episode that you'd like for us to cover at some point, email us at uh, sequelpod at gmail.com. We always like to hear what the fans have to say. Um, but once again, Carmelita, thank you so much for being on. Um, and all I have to say to our listeners is this. If you aren't getting traumatized watching Return to Oz, you really care about cinema anyway we'll see you next time